And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> this is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Welcome back to a significant episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I am your host, LJ Cascon. I have Hot Take Harrison directly above me. I have the Thunder from Down Under. Who's, it's already Mother's Day for George, so happy Mother's Day to you, George. You're a fantastic mother of the basement. Then we have Austin Trilly. We got the man on for the pod. How are you doing today? Sensational. Had a great night last night. That's right. Were you there? I know you were there in one of the other games in Miami. Yeah, I've been to um every home game this playoffs. My pockets are hurting, but hey, Mickey got me in a choco right now, so I got to keep saying, supporting. You didn't even get a shirt, did you? You got a, you got a cool towel. Yeah, I got a cool towel couple of them <laughs> and and those um those cut out um cupboards that they gave out um a few games ago so my collection that, that makes nice. it all worth it you got to your pockets are hurting worse than jimmy's swollen ankle but that's okay because you got a couple oh, yeah. towels thank you mickey but <laughs> let, let's start here before we go into anything specific as you guys remember on the previous pod with me and bubba we talked about significant things that have happened in american history the last time the New York Knicks were in the finals. That was before the series started. As we sit here today, the Miami Heat defeated the New York Knicks in six games. We all said Heat in five. Eh, heat in six, it's the same difference. Doesn't exactly make a difference. Fuck Josh right? Hart and Scott Foster. We'll, we'll, get, oh, we'll get to those sons of bitches. Don't you worry. Jalen Ramsey was up in Scott Foster's face, too. I love seeing that video on Twitter, too, because Jalen Ramsey has completely embraced the Miami roots. But the, la- the where the Heat stand now are in the Easter Conference Finals. The last time that the New York Knickerbockers were in the Eastern Conference Finals was the year 2000. Let me let me go through some things that happened in the year 2000. Things significant things that have taken place in our lifetime. The last time that the the, the best Knicks team in many of their fans' lifetime have just taken place, and it was a, a horrible season by Miami standards, and we still beat them as an eight seed. We took that away from them. In the year 2000, people were still scared of Y2K and the internet. The last time the New York Knicks were in the Eastern Conference Finals, Beyonce was still with Destiny's Child. Wow. The only game that you could play on your Nokia phone was Snake. You know Coldplay? This is the band that's been around forever. Yeah, they released their debut album in 2000. Oh, wow. And Gas was $1.26. tank. New Yorkers don't know about Gas, though, because they'd be taking the taxis. I don't know if this is on your list, not to um cut you off, but wasn't that the year Tyler Hero was born too? What was it? Wasn't that the year Tyler Hero was born too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So his lifetime. And then this this one's a good one. Uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire was released. Not the movie with Daniel Radcliffe, the book. <laughs> J.K. Rowling released the book, the novel, the paperback. And or, let me just say, are you guys familiar with the classic uh, Christmas movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas? With Jim Carrey? It's a timeless classic, right? Yeah, that came out. That was released in theaters. These are some cultural moments that have happened the last time that the New York Knicks were in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Heat have done it three times in four years. It's not a rivalry because one team has to win. or Both teams have to win for it to be a rivalry. The Knicks haven't done much of that. So let's go around here, guys. I want to get into some actual basketball talk, and we'll do it for Charlie. We'll start with Josh Hart, because it's kind of hard to ignore that the Knicks gave away a first-round pick for a guy that got played off the floor. Quentin Grimes had to start in his place because Jimmy Butler on one leg was giving him the business so badly that Tibbs had to pull it. 
just had to pull the plug on it. How do you guys feel about Josh Hart after the series? Because I, for one, I thought he was the best role player in the league before the series started. I look like a dumbass. Or Jimmy made me look like a dumbass for that. How do you guys feel about Josh Hart? Um, During the trade deadline, I think we would have linked him. Um, There was a room that was linked to him. I was kind of excited that we would have got him. But now that he's a Nick, I think he fucking stinks and he can't hit a jumper. And like Harry said before the show, he had more kids this series than memorable plays. So, yeah, he's a fucking bum. George, how do you feel about Josh Hart? Do you want to spin us a tail? Weave us, weave us a wand, if you will? I like Josh Hart. I still do like Josh Hart. I think he's a good player. He's an exceptional player. Um, there's many better players than him <laughs> around the world, in the league, in the playoffs, in his team. But at the same time, look, I, I agree with Trilly. I was, ex- I was really excited to have a hope of actually getting on the team, but I know that Spo would have played him at the four anyway. And that would have gone to shit real quick. But before the season, the series started, I was told numerous times, time, time again, time again. He he locked up <laughs> Donovan Mitchell. He locked up Garland. He locked he locked up Mobley. He did all this shit while locking up Karis LeVert and Isaac Okoro and plays like that. And he got absolutely like trashed on. In the wor- in the worst possible way for him, I I don't agree with Tibbs benching him like that. I, I still think he could have done something better than Quentin Grimes. He is far worse. He Quentin Grimes is one of the worst players I've seen in a, in a long time. He is as inactive uh, as anyone I've ever uh, I've ever seen. I I hate. I see him on the floor. And I'm like, what the fuck do you do? In all honesty, like, what are you? What is he doing? But then I look at Josh Hart on the bench, and he's just chilling and now they're making the excuse that because he had a kid he took some time off if i was a coach and a gm a manager and my player said i my wife just had a kid i'm taking a game off i want you to bench me you're off the team you're off the fucking team if that's a fucking excuse then i don't give a shit you're you're not heat material you're not nixon material you're not nba material um, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with any of that, George. Um, I think, you know, I think it's good for you to be there for when your children are born. Remember that um, Gordon Hayward missed the birth of his child in the bubble and then uh, he got absolutely destroyed. So I think it's always better. You should be there for the birth of your kids, especially he had twins. So congrats to Josh Hart on the children. In terms of Josh Hart, the basketball player, um, he was useless. I, I I think the media does this thing, especially when it's New York, they try to pump up guys that are decent, but not th- this great. And they were talking about him. Like, like you were saying, you know, he didn't do a ton to Donovan Mitchell. The problem with the Cavs is they're a very ISO heavy team. And when they're missing, um, they miss a lot. And the Knicks were able to get rebounds and get second chances. And they won that series. But um you know, Josh Hart became very overrated by the media. I think he's an okay player. The Knicks are probably going to have to overpay him this offseason. And, you know, he's not a good three-point shooter. He's really not – He's the heat left him open because they knew he wasn't going to hit. And, yeah, I don't think Jimmy had much of an issue with him besides uh, his egregious flop that led to Jimmy's ankle injury. Uh, I like Grimes. I think he's a decent player, honestly. Um, you know, he had – probably one of the worst misses you could have on a shot 
um, that could have changed the course of the game and possibly the series. But, um, you know, the Knicks are young. They're going to make a lot of moves in the offseason. And I kind of like this role that the Huron, they're just going to keep beating teams and making them make massive changes. Like that Bucks team is going to look very different next year after the Heat went through them in five. They already fired their coach. Um, that's going to be a very different looking team with Lopez available in free agency and, um, you know, middle Middleton as well. And now this Knicks team, I mean, we can get into it if we want a little later, but like I, I said, I tweeted before the series started, I said, um, listen, Randall's like the worst player you could have in a postseason series. He doesn't really understand his limits as a player. He will take any shot regardless of, situation time on the clock or what is going on and unfortunately i think while he's a better player he's younger and he can learn i think barrett's in a similar mold um, these are just guys that will shoot whatever shot is there uh the heat yesterday were really like they couldn't do anything to stop brunson brunson destroyed us a lot of respect for jalen brunson in the series he's amazing but everybody else is trash and um, you know, anytime Randall made a long three, you were like, great, that helps us. Um, anytime Barrett made a long, a long shot, you were like, please keep shooting them because the odds of them keeping, you know, you play the odds in that situation and the odds of them continuing to make these tough buckets were pretty slim. And I think that's kind of what it was, right? The heat offense was not great in this series. I think we shot just above 30% from three as a team. So that's pretty bad. Um, but aside from Brunson, they didn't have much offense. They didn't have a lot of people they could turn to. They, Knicks fans talked about their bench a lot. Um, the Heat's bench absolutely crushed them in this series. And um, the better team won. And we knew that. When, you know, Listen, we can trash the team. We've, we've done it a lot this year. It wasn't a fun season uh, to watch and be a part of these games. So we, we can sit there and be objective about the Heat when we need to be. But um, we were the better team, and I would have been disappointed uh, if we hadn't won. So I'm glad we did. I'm glad that you talked about RJ Barrett too, because I wanted to talk about Josh Hart real quick, because before the, the series, I, like I said, I thought he was a really good role player. I did not think he flopped the way that he flopped. And maybe that's just because he was in an unfamiliar situation in the second round of the playoffs. The dude has never scored 20 in the playoffs in his career. He was in uncharted waters, just a, uh, maybe you act different when the lights get a little too bright and he was just trying to buy calls and buy calls. Scott Foster was on his knees for him in the, in the second game of the series. I don't know what happened. Scott wasn't in his bag for Josh Hart in last night's game. Um, but speaking of Scott Foster and to your point, Harry, RJ Barrett, RJ, what did RJ shoot? One for 10, one for 11, something like that. All of his points came from the free throw line because you could breathe on RJ Barrett and Scott Foster would give him the whistle. So I don't want to get into Trilly's bag too much, but be talking about Scott Foster. I'm going to toss it over to him. Say whatever the fuck you want about Scott Foster, because that man, almost, I, I have never in my life, a Sands, the Lakers, Sacramento series in the early 2000s, legitimately thought what I was watching was influenced. There were times last night where I was like, it's hard to deny they brought the extender in and he's making extender-like calls. Yeah, that first quarter was fucking awful. Like, like you were saying, you can bring in R.J. Barrett and he'll get a foul call. And there was, like, three straight plays where, like, Jimmy and Bam, they they basically got, like, fucking tackled and they didn't get a call. So that first quarter was, like, the worst first quarter, first quarter I've ever seen in my life, especially, like, at the arena. Like, the fans were, like, confused. 
we was like chanting refuse suck every time they call the call. And like I'm just glad we're not gonna see Scott Foster for the next few games. But if we play Boston, I think he's gonna get Boston a win, especially if it's in the T D garden. So just gotta prepare for the inevitable. It, it's and that sucks too. It's like I guess the good news of it is we prolonged the inevitable by surviving this, ending the Heat's what was it ten game losing streak to Scott Foster. Finally, I mean it was it was pure jubilation, and I'm sure as you said you were in the arena too. I'm sure being in the moment for that was incredible. To being able to witness history be made, George. How do you feel about Scott Foster? J- just let it all out. Empty the clip. I respect him. I respect the man. He's a good, wholehearted human being, does his job to the best of his ability. Too bad his ability is limited by the fact that he, I I don't know who the hell was gassing him up, like who's putting the money in his pocket, but he looks genuinely pissed. And like every time one of any Heat player was driving the ball, it looked like he was visibly upset. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. Why the fuck he, why he hates it so much? I don't know what Floridian pissed in his soup or fucking pissed him off in any sort of way. But like, well, why? I have to ask the question: Why? Like we, we had lost nine straight games. He officiated us before tonight. Tyler Hero and Jack Harlow. That's why. That's your bag, LJ. I'll let you get to that. That's your, that's your shit. But um, nah. In all seriousness, it's like if. If you can see a trend, there has to be some sort of correction in the way of that. There has to be some sort of of mechanism you can look at to see that, like, it's the whole one with Chris Paul as well. I forget which ref he beats with as well. It's Scott like, Foster with Chris he's Paul. A Scott, it's Scott Foster. What <laughs> That's the where fuck? the meme came from was Retire. Chris Paul mainly. No, but there's got to be some sort of mechanism to, to measure that this guy is obviously something's wrong. You'd lose nine straight with his officiating. You, you look at the the momentous foul calls that he calls against us. They, was it game two? It was game two. When they had shot 40-something free throws, it made me fucking sick. It made me sick because you see this shit. And then after the game, you see Josh Hart walk up to him and say, you know, Scott, thanks for that. You literally, other players are going, thank you. Like, what the fuck is that? And what, then like, Josh Hart says, oh, I do it to every official after every game. And all four oh, losses, shit. that motherfucker hiked oh, off the court. Oh, shit. That is such crap. That is such crap. I don't know, but if he, this is why I want Philly. Like if I'm foreshadowing for a new topic, but um, that's why I want Philly because like I, if it's if it's if it's against the fucking Celtics and it goes to Game Seven and Scott Foster's officiating, I will personally fly over. I will personally fly over, and Josh Hart his ankle that quickly. I will fucking do it. I don't care. Being able to use Josh Hart's name as a verb is really all you need honestly harry how do you feel about scott yeah so i was obviously um worried about him yesterday i think there were some heat tweets that saying they weren't worried uh you know don't worry about scott foster you know if a guy can if a guy can literally erase baskets on the court i'm nervous um he can he can change what we're seeing he's you know these some of these refs are actual uh magicians so you have to be nervous the losing streak wasn't great. Um, you know, obviously the Heat have a very good uh, game six history. They're pretty good in game sixes. Uh, I would have to guess that many of them have been at home, but we've had some decent ones on the road as well. Um, you know, early on, I was just like, okay, you know, early on Barrett had a bunch of free throws. So I was like, crap, it's going to be like that. 
and then it kind of calmed down a bit. But the fourth quarter, man, he was he was really trying. Uh, they called four quick fouls on us. I think two of them were actually fouls. And you know, when you get into the bonus that quickly, uh, the Knicks getting into the bonus, and they really couldn't do anything offensively. That stinks because essentially, anytime. Um, you make a mistake or you hit them, they're going to the line for the rest of the game. I think it was like with eight and a half minutes left, they were in the bonus in the fourth. Um, obviously, the, obviously the um, you know that was that was a bit rough for us. I'm glad we were able to survive. Um, I unfortunately we, the weirdest call of the game, which I actually don't think hurt us that much, was when he called a double lane violation. I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen a double lane violation in basketball. I mean. By by rule, uh, it's correct, and it, you're not supposed to be in uh, inside the you know inside the paint early on free throws, or if you're outside the three point line, you're not supposed to cross that before the ball hits the rim. But that's rarely called, and the double violation um, gave us the jump ball. And we ended up getting the ball, so it's just kind of an odd game. I do think I think by the rule, Vincent's foul was probably a flagrant, even though it was so unnecessary, and you kind of just wish he could have avoided that because I think. Uh, we probably end up winning by a few rather than just, I think we won by four. They cover uh, the spread if Gabe doesn't launch his fucking bow. Right. That well, So that's also, I think that's a, kind of the scary thing when you talk about the refereeing. And I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but 10 games in a row, regardless of if the Heat were favored or not, is very, very low odds. I think Haberstroh is now doing that Illuminati series. Um, so that's, you have to admit that's strange. And I think the NBA has to be aware of this stuff. Like we made fun of we made fun of it for years, where uh, Chris Paul could not win when Scott Foster was the referee for him. And I just think like the NBA has to be aware of this stuff. We should not be knowing these guys' names. Um, they should not be altering the game. I just I see the replay of the Lakers game all last night. The um, Goble tossed uh, Schroeder last night in a weird play, and you're just like. This stuff shouldn't be happening. Uh, it should have been they, Draymond that got tossed too. Yeah, honestly. they they need these refs. They just need to be better. Um, no one should be called. His name should like if he's the extender. I don't think he should be play, having these big games. It's not like he's a great ref. Um, I have a lot of theories on referees and stuff. I don't want to get into it. I'm going to sound like an ageist, but um, I'm just done. I, I, I you know I I, I kind of missed Tony Brothers last night, and I hate that. <laughs> Mister Eyebrows. Um, there's just other guys I wish they would have seen. And I think knowing the NBA is in control of where they send referees. Um, you know, I think the other part is Knicks fans had highlight videos of Scott Foster yesterday. Cause they knew, they knew, they knew he was going to give him a chance. And I just think for a product that is as good as the NBA is and makes as much money and is a billion dollar organization and corporation, I don't think you can be having these, these issues. And, it doesn't get mentioned a lot, but like, I don't know if you guys ever read the Tim Donahue report. Like, he made a lot of calls to Scott um, before and after games. So I doubt they were just calling to say hi. Um, and if they were, that's a very large coincidence. So again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just have to look at the facts that I'm presented with. And I'm glad the Heat were able to win um, in spite of foster and like you mentioned earlier lj like jalen ramsey's fitting right in he was making sure that he was uh he was not going to not going to let the knicks win on his watch so you know glad we could shut them down we need these we need these few days of rest for jimmy and um i'm ready for the next series regardless of who the opponent is the rest for jimmy is imperative george what do you want to say 
Can we just go around the room quickly? Do you does anyone think that Gabe Vincent's foul was a flagrant? Yes. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's a flagrant. It's flagrant just, one year. Yeah, I don't think it's a flagrant. Yeah, but the problem yeah, is the problem is George. It's it's letter of the law stuff. It's like, so you can't. His arm was tucked. It's not like he extended his arm to then do shit. I've seen worse stuff in free like uh, on the free throw line. Right, but I've so been, the so George, the argument would be like it's obvious that Bronson flops a bit after he gets hit, but it's basically unnecessary contact above the neck, and so it doesn't really like the intent doesn't matter. Um, so it's just kind of it's one of those plays, especially the he were up six and they were inbound they were inbounding the ball. So you're thinking like they'll, they'll there's 50 seconds left. They'll at the very least, even if they miss, it's going to be a six point lead with 30 seconds left. And so you, well, you just stuff. can't do that. Yeah, it's just stuff, you have to be aware. Stuff, like if he's grabbing you or stuff, just get away from him and get and get open. And you know the Heat have been really good in the postseason. Um, they had a they had the one sloppy game in game five, but they've been very good about not turning the ball over. And that's, that starts and that starts with Jimmy. Jimmy's incredible at not turning the ball over usually. So I just think it's just time and place. If you're, if you want, in my opinion, I think Caleb should have been at the end of the game instead of game. I thought he, even though Brunson was basically unstoppable, I thought he did. He made, I think his length made Brunson work a little bit more yesterday than Gabe's did. And so that was, if, if I have one critique of Spo in the whole series, I'm just doing less Gabe. More Kyle, who I thought was great. I can't believe him, but like Kyle was excellent, and more Caleb, especially on defense. No, I, I agree, Harry. I do think Spo has. I know you were saying, talking about it on the timeline too. Is this might be, in my opinion, I think you were right as well in the timeline regarding what's what postseason has been Spo's best. I think 2012 is probably the best. But you're you're looking at right up there, probably second, third best at the least, his third best postseason of his entire career. And we're only two, two rounds in mind you, we we don't know if he's going to face doc rivers, if he's going to face Joe Missoula, it, it, a lot remains to be seen, but now we're going to pivot here and talk about how the heat even got here. What point I want to ask you guys, what changed from the regular season to the play in tournament to the postseason? because the play in tournament is a different thing, apparently, because Adam silver is apparently a genius. He's one of the dumbest, commissioners i've ever seen in my entire life but I, I have plenty of things i want to say about adam silver but I'll, I'll i'll reserve judgment for right now i want to ask you guys when do you think the the the, the switch was really flipped for this team because there i said it on a post game show months ago that after clutch game number like 40 i was like something needs to be said about this team's ability to execute down the stretch these clutch games are going to come in handy and every single game, if the heat don't blow them out, they're winning in extremely close fashion in a clutch game. The only outlier is when Milwaukee went ablaze from three in game two, and they just could not miss. That's going to happen. If a team's going to shoot break NBA records type shooting, then that's completely fine. Like go for it. But aside from that, it's been very, very close games for Miami and they know how to execute down the stretch. Nearly every win against New York minus game three in Miami was just that executing down the stretch. They didn't have Jimmy in game two. They still nearly executed down the stretch and stole that. So like what, what moment do you guys think was like a moment that you can exactly pinpoint and say, that's when it happened. That's when this team turned it on. I'll let the floors open. Anybody can take it. Um, so it's not, it's not necessarily a moment. It's kind of like a culmination of things. Like, so I think the big change in the season uh, was getting Kevin Love. He's been an amazing locker room presence for the Heat. I don't know this for sure, but it seems like the relationship between 
uh, Kevin and Kyle is quite good. And I think he's one of the reasons why Kyle was okay coming off the bench. Um, the reports coming out were that Kyle was a problem in the locker room. And I don't know if he was ready to come off the bench. Uh, I don't think he wanted that. And I don't know if he was ready for that point of his career. Right. I mean, he's not, he's not that far removed from the championship season he had with Kawhi, but he's lost a step and he's just not, he can't play the minutes. I was shocked at the beginning of the season, how many minutes he was playing. It didn't make any sense. If you guys remember, he was, he was like leading the league in minutes for, for a second there. And that's just not what you want from him or need from him. So I think bringing Kevin in, um, has helped the team a ton. Kyle accepting the bench role has been huge. He's been really good off the bench. He's kind of a steadying presence. Um, there's not many teams that can have a guy with whatever you think about Kyle, the player, Kyle's resume coming off the bench. And I think it's just helped the whole team in general because it's allowed um, it's allowed Spo to close with who he thinks is the better closing lineup. And the culmination of all these clutch games, which we couldn't stand, and you know they came very close to breaking the regular season record for clutch games. Um, they're just not nervous. Uh, so yeah, they lost game five in a clutch game, but it never felt like, you know, if they hadn't made a couple mistakes, they probably could have stolen that one too. And coming off the... Um, I think the point where you're where you're starting to realize that this team is like can can do something special even with some of the things going against them, uh, if you want a point in time, uh, was definitely that it was the comeback in Game Four against Milwaukee because I remember watching that game saying to myself, "Crap, we had them in a nice chokehold here. We're going to let them off the hook, and then winning two out of three in Milwaukee is going to be very difficult." And Jimmy had 56 that game, you know, huge plays. I, I can't remember. I mean, you were there, uh, Trilly, so you can tell us firsthand, but I cannot remember the arena of being louder coming through the TV. And that game, because what happened was then when you were in Milwaukee and you're like, wow, down 16, this team just kind of believes. We've, we've doubted them all year. We, ha we have kind of said, man, this ain't it. Like the shooting, unfortunately, this round kind of reverted back to regular season, but it's basically acquiring Kevin and then showing that they can, it doesn't matter where they're playing or who's on the floor or who they're against. Um, they're going to execute and maybe it'll, maybe it won't work sometimes, but they're going to give their, they're going to give themselves a shot to win. I think you have to give a ton of credit to the players, every single guy, right? Every guy has been out there, even the ones that we make fun of or, um, you know, it, I, I'm not always the biggest Gabe Vincent fan, but he's had some big postseason plays. And you have to credit, and maybe we can talk about it afterwards. Um, you know, Spo is Spo's running circles around guys out there. Um, you know, I don't know if we would have said that Spo had the best regular season. We were critical about certain aspects of his rotations and stuff. But, and you guys should read. I was reading it before I got on here. Um, Coop's article, Coop Moorhead is very good. He rewrites for the Heat for NBA.com. Just kind of talking about like. He did like a mid-play tweak that Spo did, and it and it was a basically Bam just moving up a couple steps, and it basically um, got them a big stop. And it's just like there are not a lot of guys in the NBA that can do that and can recognize it. And I just think Spo being growing up as a film junkie and growing up in the organization that way has helped him a lot. Right? He can see he can probably see things that other players, other coaches don't recognize as quickly, and can just call in the change. And that's really his. 
that that's kind of why he's the best coach in the NBA and why he's such a postseason savant is that he can make those changes on a fly. And I know I give a super long winded answer to your question, but um, it's kind of it was it's kind of the uh, Kevin the Kevin edition, and then there's just the way they played the Bucks down the stretch that gives you hope for they can keep going. Charlie, what about you, man? How do you feel about can, can you pinpoint when you think that the momentum really shifted? I would say um, that playing game versus um, the Bulls when Jimmy had that um, the end one and then, you know, he let all his emotion out. And then you just felt it in the crowd that, hey, maybe we can actually do something. But um, to Harry's point with um, Kevin, you know, coming in accepting a role and then making it easier for Kyle to accept a role, I think what helped us on this playoff run is everyone left their ego at the door. You know, Spo, he's playing everyone in a row that fits them and he's not scared to pull the leash on them if they're not playing well. I think that's what kind of hurt us in the um, regular season because he was giving certain players heavy minutes, getting targeted on defense. He'll be scared to bench them because he's, quote-unquote, our best clutch player. So I think we're better with the certain player, but that's a discussion for another day. I, I actually do want to get to that. George, sorry, kick rocks for a second. I think it's pretty easy to implement Tyler Hero back into the lineup like not starting lineup either. I think off the bench, Duncan's getting about 15, 17 minutes a night, right? And he's shooting fine. Not $90 million fine, but he's shooting fine for what you were getting in that New York series anyway from the team. Duncan was not the issue with the shooting. Duncan was probably one of your best behind Max three-point shooters in the whole series. So it's like, if you can, you're not asking Tyler off a broken hand to come back and start and give you 35 minutes. I think you ease him off whenever he does come back, whether that's late Eastern Conference Finals, best case scenario, or in the finals, barring or you know, seeing as Miami, if they can even get there. You bring Tyler off the bench, you give him 15, 17 minutes. Duncan's taking nine to 10 shots, which is a little too many, honestly, but that's fine for Tyler. Like That is a perfect, perfect role to have Tyler come back off the bench and implement it into the team to give you enough of a spark. He won't get hunted the same way Duncan gets hunted. He's a better defender than Duncan, I say that term very, very lightly as saying Tyler Hero is a better defender than enter anybody, but he, he's he's better than Duncan. I feel like the team will get better and saying that they would get worse by adding Tyler back in over Duncan is just stupid. Like that. I, what do you, what do you guys think before we get over to George's answer? I don't think he'll make us worse. I just think that he's not really like a needle mover that most of his fans think he is. Like if, if we lose Bam or Jimmy, then the series is over. Is over. If we lose Hero, then, it's whatever. You can have Shrews pick up the slack. You can have Duncan pick up the slack. Obviously, they're not as talented as Tyler Hero. Like, Tyler Hero's our third best player, but he's not really a needle mover that a lot of the fans think he is, in my opinion. No, I agree 100%. He, he's definitely – people overrate him and say what he can do, and that's why you raise the expectations, then he doesn't meet those insanely high expectations. The dude is a phenomenal player in his role. Off the bench, you saw him light the league on fire last season. He was a phenomenal player for the Heat. He is the main reason the Heat survived those injury stretches off the bench last season to be the number one seed. In his role, the dude excels and is phenomenal. So if you can give him back in that kind of groove, you will see an improvement to the team. Harry, what do you think? My, my only worry would be, I've been saying that I, it ha- like you said, it's got to be off the bench. And I really hope that if he is healthy to come back, that it's between it, that it's, like between series rather than in the middle of a series. I think that could unfortunately throw a lot of stuff off trying to incorporate uh, a player who likes to shoot as much as Tyler does back into 
the rotation. If you're telling me that he's taking Duncan's minutes and he can basically um, be a mid-range threat and a three-point threat and that's what he's going to do, I mean, sure, I'm absolutely going to take him back. Um, I don't know if he's a better defender than Duncan. I know, I know we we always, I always, I know we always make fun, but like, I don't like Duncan out there because I don't have any confidence that he's going to make those shots. But the truth is, like, if he's moving the ball around and they're running the DHO and and Duncan's getting some open looks, like, the ball is moving better without Tyler out there. So my thought is, I just don't want that to change. If Tyler can come in, accept the role, and basically play Duncan's minutes, he's no offense, he's 30 times better than Duncan as an NBA player. But if you're telling me that he's going to come back and he's going to over dribble and have some stupid turnovers and not pass as well, then I don't know. Like that's, that's the only thing that worries me. Listen, the heat will bring him back if he's healthy. It's no question. I'm not, it doesn't matter what I think they will bring him back. Um, but I do think it'll be off the bench. And I just kind of hope that if he does come back, he's basically like, it would be great if he comes if he's like coming off the bench. He doesn't even have to score that much, right? Because because what's Duncan giving them six points a game or less? Like, yeah, if Tyler gives you twelve points a game on good efficiency and he's and he's just spreading the court a little bit and he gives you a, a mid range option, which they really don't have. They really don't have a mid range option right now. Um, you know, it's basically it's basically Bam has the free throw jumper down. I'm good with that shot whenever he wants to take it. Um, I don't love Jimmy's like corner fadeaway thing but if he's if the ankle's right it's usually a pretty good look for him gabe and kyle are pretty much the only other two yeah i mean the truth elbow that's about it yeah the truth is kyle's become much more of a three-point threat and i like when kyle's getting to the basket he just doesn't do it all the time but he had some big big plays getting to the basket yesterday so that's kind of my thing like if tyler's going to come in and give them a mid-range game a guy who can get to the hoop and he's going to shoot the three at a better clip than these other guys are shooting then with it but if if he's gonna come in and be like it's my time (laughs) it's gonna be bad and i don't really want that to happen that's what i am afraid of admittedly is yeah that he would come in and not play the exact role but i feel like there's enough vets in the locker room to kind of like rein that in right to be like hey everyone's saying this is the role stick to your role we've seen success in that role let's do that let's do what works now george i apologize Go off. To, you can talk about Tyler Hero if you want, George. You can talk about you know when when you think that the switch or the, the the switch flipped. Go ahead. Now's your time, George. I know it's four forty five a.m. for you. Go ahead. No. All right. Let's move on then. Let's see. Let's talk about Bam Adebayo because this dude in elimination games. I know we put up a, a stat last night in the game or in the post game. I didn't think it was. There were some inconsistencies to that stat, but Bam in closeout games alone. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the dude goes off. Bam Adebayo, insane when it actually matters most. He didn't have a great Milwaukee series because Brooke fucking Lopez. Like, it's going to be hard for Bam to get to the rim against Brooke Lopez consistently. He did a lot better against the Knicks. He was dunking way more against the Knicks, despite Mitchell Robinson, who people said were going to give him trouble. It wasn't a factor for Bam. Then he ended it in the Milwaukee series with a triple-double in the closeout game. And then again last night, Bam is the engine that drove the team to come back from that 14 point deficit in the first quarter. Like it's just the bam has been absolutely incredible. He gets shit on a lot. I know a lot of us were critical of him too, just because we know what he can do. And when he takes a little bit of a, of a backseat, it gets irritating. But when Jimmy's hobbled like that, bam read the room and he said, all right, it's me or nothing. And he came and he answered the call. How do you guys feel about bam? Especially after that New York series. 
I'll put it out there. The um, the reemergence for the forty three thousandth time of Bam Adebayo has been phenomenal, and it's amazing thing when you can see that this team can utilize his skill in the paint and actually use him as an off offensive focal piece. And it, I, I love that. I love to see it. I feel like when when he plays well, we win games. It's a, there's a direct correlation. You look how well we we're playing, you know, and how well he was playing, and it was translating to wins. When you've got someone like Mitch Robinson on you, who isn't any sort of spectacular talent, you have to take advantage of it. You have to, especially when they're, they're, they're sh- he's sharing his minutes with Tyler Hansbert, the Tyler Hansbury Senior. I forget his name. Isaiah Hardenstein. That's the one. Um, you that's gotta, accurate. Yeah, you gotta fucking do something. You gotta, you gotta, you know, stand your ground and actually do something. And he did. He was incredible. And that's why it actually like directly ties in with the uh, with the Tyler thing. If Tyler can come back and actually play that role, space the floor more efficiently, you, you're going to hope that it's going to work out for the best for Bam as well. Because you saw when when Tyler kind of got it going, Bam took a back seat. We were losing games, and I'm not saying that's the reason why this team took a took a swing because Tyler here got injured. I still think that's there's only the only person you can thank for that is is Jimmy. Jimmy turned it on. Whole team got around him. We're winning games. It's it's the fucking truth. Fifty six points in in against the Bucks was one of, if not the most incredible playoff moment since the LeBron James era of this team. It it was fucking incredible. I loved every second of it. But going back to Bam, he needs to stay aggressive, especially if you're going up against either team, either team. Because if you're going up up against the Celtics. You need him to to dominate in the paint. That's where they're that that's a team with very few, if if any, weaknesses. And Horford and and Time Lord in that in that front court, it's it's good enough. It's good enough, and they they play well. But to win, have any chance of winning in that series, you need him to play every single game. You need him to play like the way he was playing against the Knicks. Against Philly, it's a little bit of a different story. You need him to shut out Embiid, which is exactly what he did last year. He's got to do that shit again. And it beats just as injured as it was last year, if not worse. It's just it's up to him. I feel like it's always going to be up to him. If he demands the ball, we're we're a better team for it, and that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think I think the big point of this series, and maybe hopefully we can look back at it and look forward, is you know, Bam was pretty hard on himself after they lost game two without Jimmy in New York. And, you know, people were very annoyed that he took 10 shots. And they didn't think that was enough. And I was telling people, you know, listen, I, I don't know if the strategy in that game was for Bam to shoot a lot, right? They, were, they had a strategy. It almost worked. Uh, Vincent and Caleb Martin were excellent. Too, and assuming they didn't have a collapse down the stretch, they might have won that game. And who knows if we're talking about a four-game sweep instead of a, a you know, six-game series. So I think what was, what was annoying about Bam's game, too, was that he kind of got – you know, he was just getting out muscled by Hartenstein on the boards. That was a big, like the Knicks really killed us on the boards. And I, and so my thoughts are always um, Bam is the best defender I've ever seen, ever seen in basketball. I've been saying that for a while. I don't think anyone in NBA history has been able to do what Bam can do on a nightly basis. I don't think it's possible. Um, You know, they, uh, they talk about learning the lesson. You see these guards go against Bam and they don't go anywhere. 
There just aren't a lot of guys that can do that. I know people compare him defensively to Dre. Uh, he's better. He's better. And so if he's giving you that on defense, then what you're basically asking him to do is take the open shots when they're there, um, you know, hard rolls to the basket and hope you get fed by, by your teammates. And then um, just really intense boxing out and rebounding. And so from game two, he's been insane. I think they, I think there was a stat from game three where Bam contested like 93% of the shots on defense. Um, he really became the best rebounder in the series from, from game two on. And even last night, I think he ended up with nine and he was annoyed they they didn't give him his 10th rebound. But he had huge rebounds in traffic. Um, so they needed his offense in the first half. I made a joke that he looked – Bam was so sweaty at halftime, he looked like that, that Brendan Fraser scene from Bedazzled where he's just like sweating nonstop. Um, I mean, he left it all on the court. I think even in some of my tweets about Bam where maybe I was a bit negative – like, I, I think you just build around that guy. And I think you bring in other people that make his life easier. And so I think we're seeing that you can win with Jimmy and Bam. You need spacers around them, and you need guys that can defend. So obviously, you know, looking more into a 3 and D mold going forward is kind of what the Heat need around these guys. And I don't know if he's ever going to get enough credit because people always look towards scoring when they talk about superstars. And defense is just something that – People, regular fans, uh, people that vote on these awards are just not good at understanding. Like the guys who all finished above Bam in this defensive player of the year voting are not better than Bam. Um, Marcus Smart won last year. He's probably one of the worst defensive player of the year winners of all time. And, you know, I understand that there's media bias and things that are going on. And I do hope that eventually they'll start giving Bam his due and he'll He'll get first team all defense and he'll get and he'll win one of these awards. But um, there's nobody like him. And I think we just have to respect that he's not going to, you know, it's not, he's not going to be the most aggressive every game, but he's going to really bring it on the boards. He's setting, he's setting screens constantly. And he's been amazing. We, we should probably just enjoy what we're getting from him and hope he makes slight improvements every year because he's 25. He's under contract with the Heat for three more years. And we could be looking at a guy that can really um, change playoff series and, you know, change the way we look at basketball. And the last thing I want to say, and, you know, you mentioned a little LJ is um, he's been very good in these elimination games. Last year, game seven against Boston, I thought he looked very good. Uh, he played well. You know, the, the Heat just kind of – everybody was kind of hurt at the same time last year, and, and you know, unfortunately we lost. Um, he was great in the bubble, closing out Boston. Uh, he just closed out Milwaukee with the triple-double. He was excellent last night. And so I think – I don't think it needs to be – I don't think we have to look at the box score after the game and say, yeah, I don't know if he did enough. I don't think that's the way to view Bam. I think we have to look at the game and really say, man, that guy was – all over the place. He's guarding every position. The Heat defense doesn't work without him. And we just have to, myself included, we just have to appreciate him more because he's a unique talent. And, you know, we need to find ways to make his life easier. Chili, let's go to you. Sing some praises for Bam because I know, I know how you feel about Bam. And I, I, know, I know that a lot of people don't exactly uh, give him his flowers when he deserves them. People like to talk shit about Bam because they only look at the box score. 
Go defend Bam a little bit. Oh man, I was gonna tweet the other day. Like, can you like? This is a question for everyone to hear. Can you name a 25, 25 point per game scorer that has as much responsibility as Bam Adebayo? Like, you probably can't. So the people that want Bam to score twenty five don't understand the amount of like energy that he's exerting on defense, setting screens, getting the shooters open, a whole bunch of those stuff. So I just think like if we build around him in the future, like we need to get him help, like in the three and D department, like Harry said. We need we probably need like a better playmaker at the point guard position to get him those easy looks on the rolls. And like people judge Bam about like the amount of points he's scoring and stuff like that, but I wouldn't agree with Harry and say he's the greatest defender of all time. I'll probably say the best defender I ever watched was probably Pete Kawhi in San Antonio. But you wouldn't agree, Harry? Uh, I watched – I mean, listen, uh, Kawhi's scary, especially with, um, you know, his hands are like three times the size of a normal human hand. Um, but I think what – I don't think Kawhi could guard the range of guys that, that Bam does. Like, I don't think – I don't think on one possession Kawhi could go from guarding um, like a Brooke Lopez. Like Bam just does that constantly. So I'm not saying that Kawhi maybe one possession couldn't do it, but Bam's doing that all game long. And I don't know if Kawhi would be as effective if you were asking him to do that. So that's where I, you know, that's where I have my, listen, I could be very biased. I watch a lot more. I watch Bam play a lot more basketball than I do other guys. Um, and prime Kawhi was pretty scary. I mean, we, we had two tough series against them. But yeah, I, I do think Bam's better. Uh, I don't think he'll ever get the respect that a Kawhi gets, but I just hope he plays for as long as he wants and continues to. He'll as the Heat continue to win and they look around and they'll you know they they want they credit Spo and they credit Jimmy. Bam's right there and they'll he'll he'll start to get the credit that he deserves. He's basically you're, you're, Ben Wallace with offense. You're you're basically like brushing over the greatest defensive player of all time in Luke Cornett. With that fifteen foot jump in the air, trying—that is the greatest defender of all time. I kicked George out. I'm not listening to that bullshit. <laughs> I'm not letting George fucking get on here and talking about Luke Cornett when we're trying to have a real discussion about Trilly's comps with uh, with Bam Adebayo. Trilly, go oh, back yeah. to it. But yeah, like Harry was saying, um, before Bam came on the Heat, I don't think I ever seen a center that can guard all five positions at a high level. Too, like, of course, they can switch for a pick and roll for a few possessions, but. Bam can consistently do it for a whole game. Like, I remember a few years ago, um, Russell Westbrook, he was, I think, averaging like 28 points on the Rockets or something like that for a stretch. And then Spo put Bam on Russell Westbrook for the whole game and basically shut him down. And that's when I realized that this guy's a special defender because Westbrook is arguably, like, the most explosive point guard of all time. And you have your 6'9 center shutting him down. So fans need to like realize what we have in bam like he's not Jokic, he's not Embiid, he's not ad but other than that you can't name another center that's more impactful than bam definitely not cat definitely not eight and definitely not sabonis so the fans i want to trade him like when i said when i, when I ask people like what do you want to trade him for it's always a score like if we train for dame we're not going to have no defense and anchor if we train for kd obviously kd is a better player in a vacuum but we're still not going to have a defense and anchor and we 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 kind of see Katie kind of slowing down a little. Like he's still a phenomenal scorer, but he's not gonna bring it every night. I think you can make an argument that Jimmy's probably a better player performer than KD in 2023. Am I lying? No, he's a better player performer than KD for like the last four years. Yeah, exactly. People have been like, especially with the whole trade bam agenda, the the crap that I was seeing the last few weeks. 
it's it's all based off emotion. It's 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 recency bias. You see him have one or two quiet games, but if you really look at that game, there was there's a few games where he would I think he had 14 points, something like that, and people were, were shouting down because he had also six boards or something like that. Plays against him shot 33% that entire game. 33%, and we ended up winning. Like that's when you don't look at those sort of things. Yeah, we'll trade it for Dame, trade it for that. When you, what the fuck are you starting? You're starting Cody Zeller at, at the center position. You you will regret that really quick. Real and the whole Sabonis comparisons, two completely different players, nowhere near the same caliber of player. Uh, defensively, Bam is, I still agree, the greatest, like the the best defender in the NBA today, and he he's still the best defender, better than Giannis, better than Bede, better, better than, than Mark- Rudy Gobert. Marcus Smart, I don't bro. Prime Rudy Gobert is the most f- f- stupid shit of all time. They saw a seven foot Frenchman and said, "You know what? This is the one." And now they look at another seven foot Frenchman and saying, "He's the one." In Ben Vinyama, but now he can shoot threes. I, I'm look. I'm looking at Bam as an eternal piece for the Heat. If you if he's unhappy, you make him happy. I don't care who the hell you got to trade, who the hell you got to bring in, how much money you have to pay, you keep him happy. Because in three, he is, he's got the ability to, to make this franchise a perennial, a perennial winner or make us one of the worst teams in the NBA with his departure. You do not want that. You don't want to see what happens after the, you know, the grass is not greener after Bam and Bio. Yeah, and I think, I think kind of what happened this season was uh, Bam came out of the gate with uh, you know, a real offensive explosion and uh, a well-deserved uh, all-star nod. And then whatever happened, whether he was tired from cleaning up everyone's mess for the whole year, you know, it wasn't as impactful as the second half. But when people talk about guys stepping up in the postseason, um, Bam has done that. Uh, these are elite defensive performances. Uh, the Knicks were horrendous. I, I think a lot of that has to do with what Bam does. And, you know, even when I saw plays where Gabe was – you know, maybe getting getting blown by or someone else like Bam is that he's the insurance back there, and you know they need him and and he's the key. So I just think we need to kind of appreciate everything he does. And if you're not appreciating it, you got to figure out how to do that. Bam really is insurance. And Harry, I'm really happy that you talked about insurance because a primary sponsor of the basement is Simple Health Advisors. Insurance, all like Bam Adebayo's defense, doesn't need to be complicated. You know what you're getting. Email them or give you a call today and tell them that the basement sent you. Email jpu at simplehealthadvisors.com. Give them a little jingle at 321-345-7738. And now we get back in. Charlie, unless you wanted to hop back in there on that debate. Yeah, I just wanted to ask a question. Hypothetically speaking, if the Sixers flame out and Embiid demands a trade, would you guys trade Bam for Embiid? It it, I know where Harry sits because Harry thinks that Embiid is is injury prone, which he is. Um, it would have to depend on is it just like straight up one for one? Because if it is, I, if you would have asked me this like a month ago, I would have said yes, because that's the MVP. But it's like, I. I would have to mull it over. Like I, I wouldn't have an answer right now because Bam is instrumental and Bede shrinks in big moments. You saw that. Maybe, maybe Embiid goes into Boston and goes crazy for game seven. And then you're looking at a bead and then everything's different for that answer in a week from now after the Heat play them. It's like right now I don't know because I know that you're gonna get Bam Adebayo's defense in the playoffs when offenses shrink from transition to half court. And I want to have someone that I know 
can generationally change and anchor down a playoff defense. Yeah. So my issue with Embiid, I, I think the if they were if they were the same age, and you thought that um, that the injuries were just random, you could probably have a discussion that that was a trade you could look at. You know, especially because Jimmy and Embiid seem to be very close and they like playing with each other for the short time in Philadelphia. I think when you look at the age, I think when you look at the injury history and the fact that besides the two times that Embiid has broken his face, it's all knee-related, all leg-related. Um, they've talked about how he falls to protect. I, I think the fall, I think when you fall all the time, you're not protecting yourself from injury. I think you're probably um, enhancing the chance that you might get hurt. And he ended Danny Green's career. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so it's also, you know, he also he does flop quite a bit, and I don't think that helps. And so my thought is um, I will not take away anything from Embiid. He's an all-time talent. There's not a lot of guys that can do what he does on a, on a basketball court, especially offensively. I think his defense is good, but the, the offensive game is very rare for a guy of that size. I just don't trust him when it matters, and – Truly, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe he does demand this off, uh, trade this offseason. He ends up somewhere with a better coach that puts him in a better position, and maybe, maybe he looks better in May. Um, I just worry about him. Right? He had an amazing game five. He was awesome in game five, and then this game six, you know, down the stretch, all I mean, all of them kind of looked bad. You know, Tobias wasn't good, and Harden wasn't good, and Embiid wasn't good. But I don't know. I, I'm not trading Bam for him. Uh, I understand probably people would. And it's probably a discussion that uh, they probably talk about in the front office, even if they're not letting anyone know about it. But uh, I don't think that trade is getting done. I think I think the Heat are really going to try. They see what they can do when when playoff Jimmy. They see what they can do with Bam at a high level. Um, if I was the Heat, I, I would be spending all, all off season trying to make their lives easier and st stop this running running back stuff. It's it's tired and, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong and I hope it works. I just, you know, I'm still worried about the two, you know, one or two upcoming series and, but I'm not moving Bam for Embiid. What about you, George? And George, after you give your answer on Bam or Embiid, go ahead, tell us who you would rather face in the next round, whether it be Philadelphia or Boston. The short answer, no, I would not, I, I wouldn't make that trade only because when you acquire someone like Embiid, you you acquire the sum of all of his parts, and it comes with a lot of baggage, a lot of injury issues, off court controversy, crap like that. It just it you you acquire all of it, and it makes me question, you know, the durability, in the, like it's the longevity of of his career, and what it would look like in a Miami uniform. I don't see that. I see Bam as a more sustainable and just an overall. Just, I feel like he's just got more potential in there. I feel he's got so much more to give. Um, I'm not talking about the three point shot that you'd get with Embiid, but if you're just trying to move Embiid, you know, Bam for Embiid and try and get similar defense with a three point shot, I don't think you're getting it with Embiid on as consistently as you as as you'd like. You're like if he he's injured all the time, he's he's injured this series. He was injured the series before, injured injured last year, injured during the the regular season. It happens. And you can't count on it. And Bam's got an amazing track record with injuries. And I'm talking like, it, yeah, it happens. But when he's gone, he's not gone for long. It's not 30, 40, 50 games. It's not season ending. It's not this and that. You, you don't see that with Bam. And with Bam as well, he's he knows the system. He, he's been here for a while. He's got great relations with different players. It feels like Embiid's most valuable 
contact is is Jimmy Butler's. Ever since he left Philly, he loves Jimmy, talks to Jimmy, Jimmy this, Jimmy that. If you can get them both on the same team, fucking do it. But I'm not trading Bam for, for Embiid. Moving on to the next series, who would I rather verse? It's 76ers, easily, staying on the on the topic of Embiid. They're beat up. They've, they're very, very sore, very tired. They're not going to have a quick – they're going to have a very quick turnaround after the series if they, if they win it. And they're going to have to put it all on the court against a Celtics team that on paper is far better than them. So I want Philly. I want the easiest track to the playoffs as possible, uh, to, to the um, to the finals. So I'm taking Philly. But even if it is the Celtics, it comes with its own benefits as well. There's history. Tatum's not been playing that well. I didn't give a crap about the 16 points he scored in the fourth quarter. He was just like Scatta Kissimor in those fucking first three, and it, it's not great. It's not a great not a great side for them. The reason why I don't like to verse them, and it's, it goes back to why I said that the Heat would probably beat Milwaukee, but not beat the Celtics. The Celtics have something the Heat at the moment are showing signs of, but not in, in any excess. It's guard depth. It's guard rotation, good guard rotation. What Brogdon's doing is shooting an incredibly high percentage. He's a good ball handler. He's, he'd be starting on thir- like 22 of the... <laughs> like 20, 20 of the other 30 teams of the NBA. He would be. He's coming off the bench. Derek White off the bench. Grant, uh, in, um, they got two of the, uh, sorry, Williams coming off the bench as well. Their bench is phenomenal. And they're going to have either one of Time Lord or Horford starting. The Heat have Lowry. That's 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 where we're at. The Heat have Kyle Lowry. And you just, you just don't know what you're going to get from him night in, night out, what version of Lowry you're getting. If it's anything like what we've seen, it's phenomenal. And it's, it's it's really good for the minutes. Hero comes back if he comes back mid series, late series, early series. I don't know anymore, but they're going to shoot us off the floor. I feel. I feel we've got a far better chance to beat the 76ers and hopefully the Lakers make it and then beat falls down and we win the chip. That would make me happy. But I don't know. I'm picking the Sixers over the Celtics. Charlie, how about you? Do you, you like the chances better against Philly as well? I definitely would pick um the Sixers over the Celtics. Selfishly speaking, I would rather face the um Celtics as a Bam stand because Bam really can't score against Joel Embiid. He can shut him down on defense, but it's very challenging for him on um offense. But speaking from a Heat fan perspective, I'd rather face Philly because we're gonna leave PJ Tucker all um open all series. We're gonna force him to beat us. James Harden, you guys know I love James Harden, but Spo always has a game plan for James Harden. Spo versus Doc Rivers, you know Spo's gonna win that battle. And only um person I really worry about is Tyrese Maxey's speed because we had problems with Brunson last series, and then Maxey he's a blur, so that's the only thing I worry about. Tobias Harris, I'm not worried about that either. And they have zero bench, like their best bench player is Georges Niang, like he's built like a minivan. So definitely not worried about the Sixers like that. I, I would I, I tend to agree. G- Mr. Gorgeous Niang is an incredible. I, I don't know how he's actually getting minutes on a Doc Rivers roster. I mean, I actually just answered my own question. It's a Doc Rivers roster. That's how he's getting minutes. But you know, no, Maxi is interesting because he's the exact opposite of Brunson. Brunson's very like calm and controlled in his actions, running around a pick and roll, having like the, the defender on his hip side, whether he gets a foul or a floater. Maxi's the exact opposite, man. Like that dude is all stop or all go, no stop, 
nonstop. The dude is out of control every time he goes to the basket. I think Miami's answer would be in the uh, front court to Maxi rather than the back court, just taking charges. Kevin Love will be sitting there. He'll get hit in the nuts a couple more times if they play Tyrese Maxi, man, because that dude is going to go out of control into the paint, and the Heat are incredible. They are the best team in the association when it comes to stepping in front of charges. So that I feel like that's the only way to really answer Maxi because we saw it last year. Gabe got torched. Just got torched by Maxi. Everyone on the roster would get torched by Maxi. I said a lot of shit about Kyle Lowry in the regular season. I have loved what Kyle has brought to the team in the playoffs. I don't want to see him go out like that against Tyrese Maxi and just being slow and 10 feet behind Maxi. Because Kyle's not fast. Kyle's a controlled player too. And we saw in the next series, the dude was very, very organized in the paint, the way he'd go inside and meticulously pick his spots as well. I don't want to see him be 10 feet behind Maxi at all times because that dude is a, like you said, an absolute blur. George, what did you want to you want to add something before you headed out? Right, George's Niang is a 66 overall startup my career player. Before you put any shit on him, no no attribute boost, boost, no shoes, no nothing, no shooting sleeve. He is a 66 overall that somehow can make shots at some weird times, but he's oh, holy easy ass. Yeah, I'm I I don't he doesn't worry me. The PJ Tucker thing in the corner, yeah, they, they would just leave him ridiculously open. And again, to your point too, like I, I would much rather face Philly than Boston. But like you said about Bam, Bam's Bam's ability in that series against the Celtics would be magnified because Al Horford is not staying with him. Al Horford has lost a step. You saw, you've seen it in the Boston series. Even though he did get the best of Embiid in a couple of those games, Bam and Embiid are very, very different players. Embiid is willing to take a jump shot outside if you're standing in front of him. Bam's going to continue to roam to the paint. I I don't want to say too much about about um, Jason Tatum because I feel like I, I'm going to like get some bad karma about it. But I, I think Jalen Brown is a much better playoff performer. He was better in the finals for them last year. He was better against us than Jason Tatum was last season. But Joe Missoula and Doc Rivers... Either of these teams, both of the teams, whichever one you pick, are extremely flawed. Either, both, either team, there's a lot of things that Eric Spolcher can go into the film room and pick out and know how to attack their defense, know how to organize his defense for their offense. That's what gives me hope no matter who we play because we have Eric Spolcher and they don't. Harry, who, who, do, you, who do you pick in between both of them? Yeah, I, so let me do it like this. I am... If I was betting money on this game, I am going to be shocked if the Celtics lose. I don't I don't think they're going to have another dud on their home floor. Even though it's been very up and down for the Celtics, I think I looked up the stat last time. They're 9-9 nine and nine at home in the playoffs over the last two years. So it hasn't been too much of a home court advantage for them, which is odd. Everyone talks about the Garden being a great place to play, but it's just a creaky old place where people get hurt. It's not, it's not a great – it's not fun. Um, so – I prefer the Sixers. I don't trust Harden in a big game. Uh, I don't trust Embiid's health. And I think you can do enough to um, to scheme Maxi. And again, like you guys have been mentioning, I think their guard play makes it easier for Jimmy to get into the paint. And I'm not as worried about their bench. Um, I'm not. I'm also not worried about a Doc Rivers team. I just not. If they beat us, congrats. I you know I would congratulate them. I just I don't see it. Um, you know, the Celtics, while we're talking about Missoula, there are times where he looks like he's just not sure what to do out there. Um, that's a tough team. Uh, they have a lot of long wings, which, you know, we don't really have. And they have guys who have won it before. It's basically a very the last year, except they added Brogdon, who 
Um, besides a really horrible passing game one of this uh, Sixers series, he's actually had a pretty good postseason. So, and he's shooting really well. Um, so I, I prefer, if you're saying like, who's my choice, I'll take the Sixers, who I think we're playing. I think we're going to get a rematch of last year. And um, I hope we can win more games at home <laughs> because that was very disappointing last year. Um, you know, I think um, I think this Celtics team, I think they they miss uh, Udoka a bit. I think he was a really good coach. Obviously, he had a lot of other things going on, and that's why he's not there anymore. But um, they have a good squad. I think I think if they hadn't ruined Robert Williams last year, we're probably talking about a different Celtics team. You know, I, I think I mentioned it last year. Like, I just can't imagine in 2022, 2023 – you're doing that shaved meniscus surgery. It just doesn't work for athletes. You have to you have to let the meniscus heal. And I'm not a doctor or anything, but there's just been very few athletes who have come back um, at the same uh, pace and speed from that surgery. So I don't know who talked him into it. I don't know why. I mean, obviously they were trying to win last year, but the fact that they didn't, and now he's a shell of himself. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I'm going to say this, not that I, I haven't figured out a prediction yet because I don't know who we're playing. I'm not really nervous about the team. I like the way the Heat are playing. I'm not guaranteeing a victory or anything. But if you're talking – if these games are close, I trust the Heat to execute down the stretch. These other teams have shit their pants in the fourth quarter. Um, so – and I felt the same way about the Knicks series. If you're, even though Brunson was great, if you're, if you're talking about who's going to execute down the stretch – Give me Spo in the heat. They've done a better job, and hopefully they keep doing that. No, I, I agree 100%. It goes back to the clutch game thing. I, I trust the heat more. I've seen Boston throw away games, literally Malcolm Brogdon throw away a game. I've seen Philly throw away games. They're up by two with four minutes left at home against a Jason Tatum that couldn't hit the water if he was stink, sinking on the Titanic. Then they, they gave that game away too. So it's like neither team knows how to really close. Miami knows how to close, not just without offense. Miami knows how to close with defense. And that is what sets them apart in close games from these other teams too. So, Charlie, what else do you want to talk about with, with the Celtics specifically? Um, I think it'll be – I forgot to um mention this, but I think it'll be a very tough matchup because we don't have a lot of perimeter defenders at the moment, especially with Oladipo down. And, you know, Jason Tim, he has his flaws, but you also have Jalen Brown over there too. And then they guard up with Brogdon and Derek Wright. Derek White, like it's just it might be too much scoring. Even though Joe Mazzula, he's inexperienced, I think Spoa, um, close circles around him. I think coaching can take you far, but it can't take you far enough if you don't have enough talent. So if we lose to Boston, it'll definitely be because of talent, not because of Joe Mazzula. So if everything goes well, hopefully we're playing Philly. That's I'm praying <laughs> really because Philly, you can you can see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit if you get Philly with Boston. Like you said, too, man. I mean, Victor Oladipo had Jalen Brown in jail like last series. The dude could not dribble. Oladipo's not walking through that door without crutches. Like the guy, he looks healthier now, thankfully, because that injury was devastating, but he's not going to suit up for you. So if you want to put out Haywood Locksmith, go ahead that you might be forced to depending on how Jalen Brown uh, prepares for this, for the series. But I don't know. I'm sure Jalen Brown's hand is probably healed now too, from the the, the shard of glass or whatever happened to him. It, it, it's difficult because I, I don't really know 
I don't have a preference. I mean, I, I guess I do want Philly, but either way, like I said too, you said it also, coaching can only take you so far, but stars are going to star and the Celtics have more bona fide stars than we do. They have more scorers naturally of the basketball than we do. Hopefully we bought enough time for Jimmy to get that ankle healed because on that history post, it is swollen to all hell. He needs time getting these extra, what, two days now really, really helps because their their game, uh, Celtics and Philly, is tomorrow. So it's like they only have two days to turn right back around and then host the Heat for game one. I think Philly also is better because just the inexperience, them not being out of the second round and God knows how long since – was it, what was is it really AI in two thousand one when they, the last time they were in the Eastern Conference Finals? I can't exactly remember specifically because I'm literally just picking it off the top of my head. I don't know the last time. I I looked up the stats for the Knicks bit, but I have not looked at the Philly one at all. But if that is the case and they just haven't been there in that long, man, Doc Rivers literally. I said it last night. Doc Rivers is one Kevin Garnett trade away from being out of the league ten years ago. If you don't get a disgruntled Kevin Garnett, a pissed off Ray Allen to come to Boston for pennies on the dollar, I'd. where is Doc Rivers? Who knows? Joe Missoula, the script has yet to be written for him, but it, neither of them scare me at all. Both of them make stupid decisions. I like Eric Spolster, and I think no matter what, you'll have a chance. I, I don't think, if it's Philly, I think that he can probably win in six, the same way they did last year. If it's Boston, it might go seven. I, I have a hard time picking the heat to win that series in the event that I just, I haven't seen it with the growth that the Celtics have had. They're not that bubble team anymore. And like Kimball Walker's not there. They have a different ball handler. They added Brogdon to last year's team. It's, it's very, very difficult. But having said that, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We ran a little bit over. This is one of the longer episodes that we've ever had. Thank you so much for spending some time with your random, your favorite random scrubs. And one little thing before we go for all the Knicks fans. James Draws went and got a little crazy on that one. But thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. Take care. Be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.